All right, folks, we are back yet again for another episode of Figuring It Out with Josh and Pat. And we're coming off a good weekend. We, Pat and I, for the first time in, we think it was like last November of 2019 that we got to spend some time together. Yeah, it was kind of an exciting weekend. It was like definitely one of those things we we keep up together so well that it didn't, hasn't felt like it's been that long, but then we were trying to backtrace it and just with living so far away from one another, it's like, yeah. It's been quite a while since we've gotten to hang out in person. Um, we've tried to hang out like three separate times in between that time. Um, once I got sick and then Josh got sick on the other time. And then it was kind of ironic because like the third time we're like, okay, we're hanging out unless there's like a major catastrophe, like the world ends. And then that's when COVID hits. So it was like literally the world ended. So it was kind of <laughs> ironic and funny and how that played out. But it was, excuse me, it was great to get down and hang out with Josh and Holly, um, his fiance. Um, they have a beautiful home, and it was just a really great weekend to get away. Appreciate it, man. And we got some swings in at the driving range, which was nice. I, we did a lot better than we were expecting to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still uh, waiting for Josh to hit the boat on said uh, driving range. <laughs> so what are you saying is it's, it's unlike any driving range that you've probably been to. It's a place where you, you pull up and you have your little spots where you're hitting, but instead of those giant nets that you hit into or a, a giant cornfield, it was a giant pond and they have decks, buoys, boats that are markers of distance. And so it's really counterintuitive because normally you're trying to avoid water, but this kind of takes the fear out of hitting into the water because that is the goal. But yeah, Pat within the first 15 minutes hits this boat beelines, just laser right at the boat. I spent pretty much my entire bucket worth trying to hit it and I never ever hit it. So sad. So uh, tonight we are planning to talk about something that uh, you and I have talked a lot about this man and it's in passing conversations. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of us should be talking about more and I don't even know how to really introduce this, but it's really just kind of um, dude relationships and how we kind of interact with one another, how we support or don't support one another and everything in between. So this is going to take all kinds of twists and turns. But like I said, just for the last several years, and I think kind of working through this podcast together, I've really come to appreciate you even more and respect you even more and respect our friendship that we have even more because we talk about a lot of vulnerable stuff and you and I really get into the weeds on some of these topics. And five years ago, I wouldn't really see myself sharing these conversations with really anyone, maybe my parents or my, my sister, uh, my close family, but I never would have considered it with um, like just like a, a guy because a lot of times it's that feeling of they're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to downplay this, or maybe I bring it up to them and I've kind of built up this confidence to share it. And then maybe you're like, Oh man, that's crazy. But anyway, did you see that game last night? And you just kind of like roll on with it. And it's that vulnerability. Yeah. Exactly. And you haven't done any of those, but a lot of people kind of have those preconceived notions of what, those conversations may look like. And a lot of times they do act out that way. So yeah, um, that's kind of a big intro, but I think it's important for us to talk about this and to kind of showcase it. And 
for us to be vulnerable in this space. So that way other people may listen and kind of challenge themselves to, to carry on. Absolutely. And you're, you're right on point. I think that this is going to be, I think one of those conversations that's going to kind of get down and dirty, but kind of be a little bit more personable um, just because male relationships have kind of taken a weird, I would say they've always had like a weird kind of like aura about them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little different, you know, it's always seen as you got to be the guy, right? Like you're not allowed to have these like feelings of insecurity or uncertainty. And if you do have those, you surely don't talk about them out loud to the public world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because to be a man means you're not supposed to be vulnerable. It means you're supposed to kind of like be the strong person of your family, so to speak. Right. So yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about that. And I'm really excited to dive into that tonight. Yeah. And I, if you are okay with it, I kind of want to start with us as people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like our journey through this. And so if you don't mind, I can kind of unpack mine a little bit. And I feel like I've always kind of been out of the norm. And it's because I've, I feel like I've always kind of been in touch with my like emotional side or my vulnerable side. And um, for a while, I, I kind of, I don't think I was ashamed of it, but um, I, I wasn't necessarily like proud of it or I wasn't showcasing it to everyone. And I kind of downplayed it. And I think for me, so I was raised on my mom's side of the family with her siblings. So I was one of seven grandkids. And of the seven grandkids, I was skewing on the younger side of the spectrum. And of the seven, I was one of two guys of the seven grandkids. And the other guy was the oldest one and he lived out of town. So I never really spent much time with him as a child. And I spent a lot of time with my sister and my cousin, Lauren, who was basically a sister, my other cousin, um, Brian, and even my other cousin. So with my mom um, being a stay at home mom, and kind of being my teacher and growing up through her raising, I think it really kind of put me in more of that um, emotional recognition, kind of acknowledging my feelings, knowing how to manage those emotions and those feelings. Um, And I guess not have this facade, I guess is a way of saying it. I didn't really have a facade. I kind of wore my emotions on my sleeve. I felt like I was able to get through every interaction. I wasn't crying (laughs) in every situation I had. Um, But if if something was beautiful in the moment or something made me really happy, I wasn't afraid to kind of express that. So I think for me, that's kind of what and how I was built. Um, But like I said, all the way up through college, even, even though I recognized those emotions, um, I, I wasn't like necessarily like proud of putting them out there for other guys to see if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think part of that just kind of plays into the societal role that we have kind of put over men, so to speak, you know, and so it almost kind of makes you feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. You're not ashamed, but it makes you kind of feel ashamed to have those feelings. Like you feel like, Oh, I'm odd. Like I'm the odd man out. Like I shouldn't be feeling like that. Cause you're right. The facade that every other, every other dude puts on out there um, kind of makes you feel like, well, maybe I'm the abnormal one. Yeah. So being vulnerable to share that with another guy, you're kind of like, I don't want to be the awkward guy out. Definitely. And I, I guess I want to clarify before I hop to you that um, 
I, I knew that I was different in that sense from a very young age. Um, and I was proud of myself for that because I felt like, I felt like I'm a contrarian in a lot of ways, just kind of naturally. And I was proud of that internally, but externally when I was around people, I kind of, um, I kind of pulled it in a little bit. So I, I always knew that I was different in terms of being okay with my emotions um, or however you want to phrase that. But then, yeah, I, I just, I, I wasn't like flaunting it for all to see when I was around my guy friends. Um, gotcha. I, want, I want to hear about you though. So I'm going to flip the script a little bit. So I'm probably the complete, well, I would say not now, but I would say kind of growing up, I'm the, I was the complete opposite of Josh. Um, I was by no means in touch with my, I don't know what, you know, my, I guess I would, they call it your feminine side. I know that's not probably not the correct terminology I want to use, but I wasn't in connection with like my feelings, my emotions and being able to display those things. Um, and when I did have my emotions that kind of moved me, it did kind of move me a lot more towards like either anger or frustration or like, okay, now I got to like kind of overcompensate cause I've got to be the guy. Like, you know, even at a very young age, it was like a super competitive nature, which did not help anything as well. Um, especially, you know, when I'm playing sports and, you know, playing, playing baseball at a very young age, it was like, Oh, you don't want to hit like a girl or that throw you threw like a girl or, you know, and you just kind of hear these like the rhythms over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and like we know with anything, especially children, you know, when they're really young like that, they soak it all in like a sponge. So it starts to become like, oh, this is like a bad thing. You start to associate with, I don't want to be seen as like that, I don't, you know. So naturally right behind that, it was like, you know, if you were playing a sport, for me at least specifically, like if you got hurt, you like weren't allowed to cry, right? Like if you cried, it's like, why are you crying? Or I'm going to, you know, kind of like the whole like mantra, give you something to cry about or like, you know, you need to toughen up, rub some dirt on it and, you know, get up and kind of, you know, take one for the team, so to speak. So for a majority of my childhood, I would say I wasn't really like, I mean, when I was early, obviously young, young child, like I would cry, right? Like probably like age, I'd say probably to like five or six, like I would cry when like I got hurt, like, or whatever. But then I think that those roles kind of started to be ingrained in me a little bit more. There's things that I kept hearing over and over and over again. So it was like, probably, I'd say probably middle school when I started really realizing that and I started kind of when I where I did have the emotions to want to cry or do things like that like I would kind of hurt myself back because I was not going to display those emotions um in front of other people let alone other dudes so um for the fear of that repercussion or the fear of uh, you know that you know you're gonna get made fun of or you know again the whole oh you can't do that because you're a guy kind of deal so I honestly stopped myself from like even feeling emotions, to be honest, like crying wise when I was like, you know, middle school, high school. Like I honestly was just like, okay, I'm not going to cry at anything. Like, I mean, the time gets me so flustered that I want to cry. Now I'm just going to display that as like over the top masculinity because I've got to now overcompensate for that because I can't feel that way. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at now, obviously moving into my adulthood. Um, Molly has been awesome for that side of my my heart to be honest um just knowing that it's okay to have emotions knowing that it's okay to be angry at times but it's also okay to like it's okay to cry like it's okay to be upset um those things are natural normal and you know part of just being a person and frankly i think it allows us 
at least for me, it allows you to build better relationships with people when you can have that level of, you know, comfortability that it's okay to have display your emotions naturally, like how you really feel rather than like having to kind of catch yourself at the door and then try to turn that into something else rather than just being your natural self. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that because we've talked about it here and there, but just kind of hear you run from kind of past to present. Um, and I think your story is the majority. I think a lot of guys are taught early. I, I was writing notes as you were talking and I, <laughs> I just think it's so interesting how um, gendered everything is. And um, you mentioned like, don't throw like a girl or you throw like a girl or if we're talking about more of our emotional side, we say it's feminine. And if we think that's what I was saying, and, and, yeah. I, and even, I even call myself, I'm like, I don't know how else to describe it because it's like, we don't even have other words right. that we use to describe it in society. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, those are the societal terms that we've now coined it mm -hmm. that we've so genderized something. Mm -hmm. And we say that if you're thinking like, if we do this versus dichotomous thing, if it's emotional on one side, then it's rational on the other side. And apparently right. that's masculine. Um, but it's, it's interesting to hear how from a young age, you're kind of molded into what's right and what's wrong when you're naturally feeling these things and you're being suppressed of those natural things. So you have these coping mechanisms to where it's really sad, man, to hear you say you got to a point where you just kind of turned off your emotions and like that for me to imagine trying to do that um, sounds a terrible and b impossible. So I don't know how, um, how that must've felt for you. I know it was a gradual thing where eventually that faucet was kind of turned off. Um, was there like a certain moment or I know you said like Molly was kind of that guiding force that changed that, but was there a certain, um, like aha moment that you can kind of harken back on where it really felt like you flipped the script on yourself? Absolutely. Um, it's funny you actually asked that. So, um, obviously like, and I don't want us to make it sound like I was a terrible person, even though I probably was, um, no. <laughs> being in high school, middle school, it was just one of those things where you gradually, you were right. You're right. It's like a gradual process where you just kind of like learn to like tailor back those emotions over time to the point where it's like, Oh, that just becomes natural in a moment that I feel like I should cry. I'm just not going to do that. You know, you're going to pull that down. Um, but honestly, and, and I did meet Molly to honestly a very young age. I mean, compared to when most people meet their, you know, spouses that be, that are going to be their wife at some point. Um, I would say that was the moment where my heart immediately was like, oh, I'm going to now be awesome. Because it's, again, it's not one of those things where you get to flip it back the other way too, right? Mm -hmm. But it was a gradual process. And just with her being able to show me unconditional love and just being able to show me like, you know, Molly's. She's going to kill me. She's been listening to our podcast, so she's probably going to kill me when she listens to, the, to this tomorrow. <laughs> but Molly is a very emotional person, and I don't mean that in a mean or derogatory way, but she cries a little bit easier on things. Like, she gets very emotional about things. Um, and so for me, at first, that was honestly, for me, that was super frustrating. I'm like, why is she crying at these things? Like, how is this going to work? Um, you know, why does something small upset her? But then honestly, it's actually kind of flipped on me over the years where it's like, okay, now I understand that. And it's just her being in her natural vulnerable state. Um, and that's okay. Again, you, you shouldn't be afraid of the emotions that you feel at the time and to display those in the way that is natural for you. However that may, whatever that may look like, whether that's extreme over the joy, happiness, whether that's like, Hey, I'm just going to cry, whether I'm, I'm going to cry because I'm happy or I'm sad. Like 
and I think that's the other thing too, is we've associated certain things with negative emotions. You know, we've always associated crying with negative. Well, you can cry because you're happy, you know? And so things like that. Um, but that kind of led down the path, you know, meeting Molly and just being able to see her be so vulnerable and willing to just show her emotions. It's kind of softened my heart over time. Um, but I think for me, the biggest like a moment that I can remember that really did it was like just one day I was sitting in church and like Molly and I were sitting there and I was just hearing this like really powerful message from my, from the tree church pastor, which is where I still attend. And he was just talking about how like his heart was kind of like hardened and he was like, not, I, I don't know the right words to say, but he like wasn't emotional and his heart like was just softened like mm -hmm. over time. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's how I am. And I need to figure out what I'm going to do to soften my heart, to be able to be my vulnerable self, but also to be like my true self in my emotions. Mm -hmm. um, so that for me, like that sermon was like the point where I realized, okay, like, okay, like it's okay. You know, I've got a man up here in front of a thousand plus people telling me that like, yeah, now he cries and openly cries on stage, by the way, and might I add in front of like thousands of us. Um, that was really powerful for me. Super powerful. And I think that's one of my notes I have too. Um, so I, I want to make sure I, I put a little bookmark in that. Um, so I want to talk about like representation, but I also want to say, I think it's a 50, 50, I mean, 50, 50, 25, 75, but I think we're working with as humans, this balance of nature versus nurture, right? So we're born and all of us have different brains, different makeups. And some of us may have um, predispositions where maybe our, our balance is that we do think of things more emotionally uh, initially, or maybe we do think of things more, I'm, gonna, I'm using air quotes, logically or rationally or um, unemotionally. And there's actually a condition that I had not heard of until I went to grad school. And I talked about this same grad school class, um, I think in our first episode or second episode. And so it goes to show you how impactful this, this class was. It was a helping skills class. But we talked about this um, trait called alexithemia. Have you heard of that before? I haven't, I have not. So alexithemia is essentially um, an inability to like identify or describe emotions. And so I have the Wiki, a Wikipedia page brought up on this, but there's tons of research done on this. So basically people who have alexithemia um, truly can't really process emotion or um, social cues of like what's kind of going on or kind of reading the room. And they said like around 10% of the population has this. Wow. And there's a lot of debates in this world of, is it nature? It's a, it's a chemical thing or is it nurture? And a lot of signs are pointing to both. And so again, like I was saying, we have some of those predispositions and our makeups, but then they said it could be a traumatic experience. It could be a lack of development. And so it goes to show that what you're kind of raised into and who is raising you and who's around you at an early age really can stunt the development of this. So again, that's alexithemia. It's spelled like Alex, I-T-H-Y-M-I-A, if you're looking to search it. Um, and when I first heard this, I'm like, God, this is mind blowing. And I, I believe it's more prevalent in men. And again, that could be 
a natural thing and it could be more of a nurturing thing. Um, but I do want to really hit on that representation because to me, I think that is so much of everything. I think that we see it in movies and we see it in television. Think about a movie, any movie that you've ever seen that has a cast of characters that are humans and not like an animation. There's always like the, the funny guy and there's always like the nerd and yeah. there's always like the, the guy, like the guy, the main guy. Mm. And usually the main guy is those like a jock or something. Yeah, a jock. Yeah. Um, he's like super masculine and how we define masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, the people, I think about the hangover. So I, I just, that just popped into my head. I already forget his name. Is it Stu that? Um, yeah, is, he's the one that's like, yeah, it gets the Mike Tyson tattoo. Yes. So yeah. Stu, at the very beginning of the movie, from the beginning, he's getting roasted because he's more of the guy that's like in touch with his emotions. He like checks in with his wife, which is like frowned upon. And so he's the dude that's always clowned on because of that. So whether it's movies or TV shows or music um, or what you're taught as a kid, it gets drilled down to a point where they become these shortcuts. And then if you're not seeing it, how the, how the heck do you know what to be or what not to be? And so for you to be at this church after you've graduated college and um, this is being demonstrated to you in such a way that it moves you, it shows you that it just takes one person you know, to, to change that path for you. And when you were describing it and you described it as your heart being softened, I, I just had this analogy pop in my head of imagine you have the nicest car in the world, whatever that is for you. So imagine a car that you've always wanted and has everything that you've ever wanted to go with that car with it. And it's sitting underneath a car cover in your garage that's what your heart is or however you want to view this, your emotions, um, your soul, however. And I feel like if you're not allowing yourself to live and experience life like in the moment and fully, you're kind of putting that car cover on that car and never experiencing it. Every once in a while you might pull it out and drive it around and have fun with it or whatever. Um, but if you're not getting good use out of it, then what's the point of even having that car? And that's the same thing with, I think, how we live our everyday lives. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of on um, point with that, just a little bit, just because I pulled up some numbers before this, just because I was like, hmm, I want to see what kind of what we're looking at. 29%, there's just a recent study done on this, 29% of men actually feel like that they can confide in their partner with their true emotions. 29% their partner. So whether that's across the board, you know, you're talking LBGTQ community, you're talking, you know, whatever, you know, straight, you know, whatever you want to look at that. I mean, 29% of men feel like they can confide in their partner with like their true emotions. And that's supposed to be like your better half or the person that you confide in with the most. Right. Good God. Wow. But ironically on the flip side of that, 95% of partners, um, and this is this is probably this part was pulled from a more um, traditional male female kind of partnership. Um, but ninety percent, five percent of partners would want their partners to actually show their emotions, hmm. compared to the sixteen point seven percent of men who actually believe women 
don't want or sorry a one in six men believe that like their partner would want to see their true emotions so only 16 percent of men in those like normal typical relationships believe that their partner actually wants to like see their true emotions like they feel that means the rest of that that means like those other like 20 some plus percent feel like they have to be this man and put up this facade of like i've got i can't show emotions because my wife may not want to see that and i might seem less manly to her and that's insane that's insane man and i think it just goes to show that a lot of um relationships whether it's like with friendships or partners or siblings or whatever we're always constantly assessing a situation before we're even talking to the person that's right in front of you and you think you're you're kind of preparing for what you think it's going to be when in reality it could be something completely different and so i'm guessing a lot of guys feel that they have to be this certain image and um they have no idea because 95 percent is is saying that they want more out of their partner they want more emotions more vulnerability and so it's it's just crazy that we're all living under this like facade it's like people wake up like just be you yeah absolutely and i think we are as a society probably moving a little bit more towards that because it's you know we're breaking down these not just in emotions, but in everything, we're breaking down these like gender barriers and these like walls that we preconceive, you know, and put up in society. Um, so I'd be curious to see like what the study looks like in another 10 years, you know, what does that look like? But I think it does start with us. Like it starts with our generation now, mm-hmm. you know, if this is a problem that we're wanting to address, I mean, it starts with like teaching our young kids and our young men specifically that like, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to show, me that emotion um obviously within control right like right, you don't want right. just like losing their mind but like it's okay to show emotion and we don't need to pick fun it you know make jokes about a kid feeling an emotion i guess mm-hmm. and that's actually what i was going to ask you man because um i know like holly and i are planning in the next couple of years hopefully god willing to start a family and um i know you and i have talked before about you and molly want to have a family as well eventually and so um, just this, in this conversation, like how, how do you foresee yourself kind of leading the way when you have kids, if you were to have a boy or a girl or, um, however that they identify, how, how do you kind of plan to, to lead the way in that? So I think for me, the big thing is, is it it obviously, I think it does change to me in my brain. It does change a little bit. If you have a boy or a girl, like how you're going to handle that. Mm -hmm. Uh, because just because of the different things that society is going to tell them, like you need to prepare them and equip them differently mm-hmm. to handle the things that the society is going to throw at them. Um, for a boy, it's definitely going to, you know, for me, like I really want to teach if I'm, you know, able to have a son one day to teach them, like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to show emotions. Um, no matter what they are, it's okay to show who, how you truly are feeling at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then you don't need to put on this like mask to kind of try to, hide how you're really feeling um personally because i feel like that's just super unhealthy to be honest um for anybody but you know if you're not able to really truly express how you're supposed to feel how are you ever supposed to truly have real relationships with people too you know whether that be you know your future spouse or whether that be your friends like i feel like if you're having to mask those emotions like i feel like it makes it hard for you to be a really good friend too honestly like 
you know, it makes you hard to be a friend that someone really wants to come talk to. Like if you're going to be like, they're going to come to you and be like, Oh, like I feel a little sad or I'm going to cry because something happens. And then you're going to be like, Oh dude, you can't cry. Like, you know, like get over that. Like that's going to make you a terrible friend. Yeah. Um, but I also think too, it's equipping your, your son that you need to empower other young boys and other young men. And you need to be an advocate for them. Like if they're having a bad day and they're showing emotions, then and people are roasting them. You need to be the person that's standing up saying like, dude, that's, that's not okay to like harass them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so teaching them and giving them the skills and equipping them to be advocates for other people. Um, because unfortunately not every household has those same values and the same beliefs and those same core principles that they're going to teach their children as well. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas vice versa, I think, you know, um, I think if you have a, if you have a daughter, at least for me, it's like teaching them like also it's like, okay, to show emotions, but it's also okay to not stand for society to roast you because you're having those emotions mm -hmm. um, or to use you as like, as an example, you know, so to speak, and to kind of break that mold a little bit that yes, I may be female and yes, I may be crying, but that doesn't mean we get to say things like, Oh, you're going to cry like a little girl or, you know, things like that. So I think it's equipping your daughter to be, again, empowered to not only be advocates for probably the boys around her and the men around her, but to be advocates for the, you know, the females that are around her or other genders that might be around her, but then also equipping her with the power to be like, yeah, this is the way I am. And that doesn't make me any less of a person because of it. Yeah. And when you were saying that, or I guess when I asked the question, I was foreseeing the answer to be uh, the same across the board, but you're so right. And it makes me really angry that you could, be the best parent in the world, but it doesn't matter because life and society has already boxed them into certain, um, certain things just because of their gender, which is so damn frustrating. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. And I think it just starts with leading the way. And I really like what you were saying about advocating for others. And I think what I would add to that is something that my um, parents kind of taught me was to not not to be quick to respond, but be quick to listen mm. and try to um, understand that person's perspective. And so I'm picturing I have um, a boy or a girl, and then let's say the boy starts crying or the girl is told that they throw like a girl. Instead of having a comeback, a quick comeback for that other person, honestly, like when that happened, I would kind of feel bad my first response was I feel bad for that person because they are not living up to their full potential right now. And their full potential is living as themselves and not trying to fit into this societal box. So if, if I was coming to you and I was crying and you made fun of me for crying, I'd be like, man, instead of being mad at you being like, okay, screw you dude. And then just like leaving, I'd be like, God, I feel bad for Pat because he doesn't feel like he has the ability or the agency to feel emotion in, in this moment and to kind of like fully experience what's happening right now. So I think kind of how you frame those situations too can be long lasting um, for when you're raising kids as well. Um, and I also, I want to go back to what you were saying about Molly because Ollie, there's a lot of going to be some rhyming. People yeah, a lot might, of Ollie's going on here. So make sure you guys catch the H or the M. <laughs> people might get them mixed up. But Holly um, also has a 
huge heart, like the biggest heart I've ever seen. And honestly, I tell her all the time how much I admire it. And I think sometimes it breaks my heart that she sees it as like a sign of weakness when she um, is emotional about certain things. And I always try to remind her and to, to emphasize how much I appreciate it because um, I feel like she lives in the moment so fully. Like she gets every bit out of every experience that she's um, witnessing or taking a part of. And it makes me think all the time that in our society, we put so much emphasis on intelligence. And I, I'm putting that in air quotes too. And, and intelligence is contextual. So it could be like book smart or it could be they're business savvy, which means that maybe they're like super aggressive and they pound their fists on the table and they try to the be the loudest and the biggest person in the room. What if we emphasized and valued and propped up emotional intelligence as much as we did your typical intelligence? What would our world look like in that case? If we're looking at leadership positions, how does that change the schematics? If we're looking at teaching positions, if we're looking at whatever, of course, you're going to have to have some expertise in your area, right? But mm -hmm. What if in addition to that equally as important is also your emotional intelligence and we really like admired those people. What would that look like where in a world they're not feeling like they have to suppress how they're feeling to fit in, but we're kind of leaning into them. Can you imagine what that would look like? I mean, it would look really awesome. And actually there are some, honestly, to me, if you ask me, like, that's one of the characteristics that would probably make a really good leader. Um, obviously, you're going to have to have those business savvy sides if you're, you know, in the world of business. I think that incorporating though that emotional intelligence to in, into any job that you're doing um, is what ultimately makes like the best leader of that organization or of whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I've been fortunate enough in my adult world, you know, in my adult life with my, with my jobs that I have, I feel like my leaders are emotionally, super emotionally intelligent. So I can kind of picture what that looks like. Um, they're super in tune with the emotions that their employees are feeling and super in tune with kind of what that looks like. And so they're able to really better interact with their employees, um, which is awesome, but they're also better able to kind of understand where their employees are at so that they can make sure, um, that they're meeting their employees emotionally. Do you know what I mean? If that makes sense, like they're meeting those needs and kind of meeting them where they're at. So I can somewhat picture what that looks like. And I would, it'd be, it'd be nice to see if that would go across the board, you know? Um, but unfortunately I don't think that we're going to see that happen. I don't think it's going to for a while anyway, where that's going to be across the board, but it's really unique when you see that happen um, and kind of have being able to experience that and having bosses that are not only super emotionally intelligent for themselves and are kind of aware of their own emotions, um, but aware of their employees emotions. And then, letting their kind of employees know, like, I guess not directly, but like not chastising them when they're having these emotions or when they're having these needs and rather being supportive and being able to kind of just like let them be themselves and creating a work environment that doesn't allow for that, you know, targeting, so to speak, of people who maybe are a little bit more emotional than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you have, when you do have a leader like that, it, it makes a world a difference. Um, and like you said, I like how you said meeting them where they are because everyone is coming in with different varying levels of, um, 
goals and how they want to get there. Some people just want to get, get the job done. Other people want to kind of talk through it. So if you have a person that is emotionally invested and emotionally intelligent, they know those needs of the people around them. So yeah, that's so true. And, um, I guess a challenge I have, and again, like I said, I hate gendering things and I hate putting things into boxes. It's just the way it is that a lot of this, um, comes down to, to guys and there are um, women out there as well that are maybe emotionally shuttered, but I, I know a lot more guys in my life than I do women that are that way. But to whomever this may touch, listen into this, I just really want to challenge you this week to put yourself in a place that makes you vulnerable emotionally, um, preferably in a happy place. Um, maybe it's a nostalgic thing that might make you a little bittersweet. I would try to avoid things that make you sad because that just kind of sucks. Sometimes it's good to tap back into that, but I really challenge you to, to do something that makes you happy and something that puts you to a point where you feel like you are experiencing emotions and that wave, that roller coaster. There's a quote that I always think of, um, Jimmy V. Jim Valvano, he was a oh man, I already know what you're gonna say. Yeah, it hangs on my wall every day at work. It's on my wall at work. Is it really? You're gonna about to, are you about to talk about his like his SB speech? Yeah, yeah, that hangs on my wall at work every day. Is I literally look at it every day as I walk in and remind myself of that every day. That's I'll send you a picture of it tomorrow. Yeah, do that and put it. Let's put it on the Facebook page too. Absolutely. In fact, I told my so it was in my office when I first moved when I first started working at the court. Uh -huh. And I told my boss, I was like, you realize whenever I leave, if I leave, like I'm taking that with me, right? <laughs> she kind of gave me the, she gave me the consent. She said, you know what, whatever, if you want to take it. That's so cool, man. And it's a good, it's a good quote to live by because. It is like a, by far, if you're going to live like off of something the rest of your life. Sorry, I interrupted you, but. No. You read this in a minute, guys. Like literally, I really think about it. In fact, we will. We'll post this picture on Facebook. Really think about what's being said in this quote here in a moment. Because I know Josh is about to read it. And yeah. really think about how that would make you feel like you're living a full life. And just the way you've been talking tonight, man, it's made me, it made me think about this. So it's kind of, I know it's kind of eerie that there's that huge connectedness with it, but he gave a speech. Um, I want to say it was late, late eighties, early nineties. He was a college basketball coach. And unfortunately he succumbed to cancer. And at this time he was still battling and unfortunately he lost that battle, but he gave a speech. And since then they have, um, commemorated an award in his name each and every year for a person of, of courage. But he said, we should do three things every day of our life. Number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is to think we should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have emotions move to tears. And so that third one is the toughest one because we all laugh. We're all thinking about stuff um, sometimes too much but we're, we need to be constantly in motion. But that last one, that we need to have our emotions move to tears. There should be something going on in your life every day because life is so precious every day. Again, we're living in such an uncertain time where there's a lot of sadness around us and we need to take the, the most of every moment. And I just wanna add a quick story, Pat, and I wanna hear your take on this Jimmy V stuff because um, that's crazy, man, that you have that in your, at your place. That is in my office. That's crazy. Um, yesterday, 
I had a, a really tough day at work. It was the first day back um, for students. I was super anxious in general just because I've been on more of the cautious side of everything with um, this virus. And so just a lot of a lot of communication and as an introvert, I was very drained. And I felt like doing nothing when I got home. I just wanted to kind of like lay around and um, had this idea. I just want to do a quick bike ride, get my body moving so I feel tired when I go to sleep at night not anxious. And so, um, Holly and I hop on the bike. So we just did a really short, like three, four mile bike ride. And as we were finishing up, the sun was starting to set and we happened to be at this park and there was this giant field. I actually took a picture of it and put it on Facebook, um, last night and the sun was setting and I'm, I've talked before, I'm a, I'm a mover, I'm a doer, I'm constantly going. And we decided to stop. We had a speaker playing some Beatles music and we just laid there in that field for probably 45 minutes minutes, and just watched that sunset over the horizon and watched the clouds kind of move in towards us, these like beautiful, magnificent orange and purple clouds. And I feel like a lot of guys wouldn't even talk about what I just described right now. Um, they'd be like, yeah, we, we went to the park and it was all right. And yeah, that was about it. And like, just to like really take in that moment and um, it felt like such a gift. And I came home and I just felt like my whole soul had just like recentered and recharged. Um, and so, I don't know, that, that quote kind of reminded me of the night that I had last night. And um, yeah, I kind of rambled on a little bit, but I want to hear what your thoughts are on that quote. So the other backside of that um, quote is one of my, I love the whole quote, but the backside of that is probably like one of my more favorite parts of the quote because whenever he tells you says your emotions should move your tears. It talks about it could be tears of happiness, it could be tears of sadness. Um, but then basically he says like think about it. If you if you laugh if you laugh or what is it? No, sorry. If you laugh, you have your emotions. Um, and you know, and you spend some time and thought you've had a heck of a day. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I think at the end of it is like that's one heck of a day. And so, right. For me personally. Um, I actually had never heard that quote until I started working at the court and I walked in one day and I saw, and I was like hanging in our office. And so it's since moved with me everywhere I go, but every day I make it a notion every single day when I walk in the door, I look at that quote and I read it and I think about it because I'm like, okay, if I can make sure that I do these three things, which are really easy things to do, then I know at the end of the day, I have had one heck of a day. And it, it gives you like a mindset when you first read that in the morning, it gives you a mindset of like, it's okay today to have those emotions. It's okay to spend some time in thought. Maybe I'm thinking about my emotions. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about what I got, what I'm going to have for dinner tonight, but I'm spending some time and some deep thought. Right. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, personally for me, I, I that quote really holds something deep because it's like a reset for me every single day to know that that each day is its own kind of like new day. And I have an opportunity to kind of, so to speak, seize that day and to, to do those three things because you you can't expend every single day kind of like you know harboring on the things that happened yesterday right and thinking about what you didn't do and so for me it personally is like a reset of like okay i've got i can accomplish these three things today and i know i've done good and the rest will fall in place so i kind of rambled there too a little bit but that's like one of my all-time favorite quotes like that is literally like my favorite quote probably i love it man I love it. <laughs> this ties in with the conversation of um, like dude relationships, because anytime you can tap into the human experience 
And when I say human experience, I mean breaking out of that monotony or breaking out of the day-to-day and you feel alive. You feel like you're the first person to ever see a place or you're the first person to hear a song or maybe music takes you back to a place or whatever it is. If you unlock an old memory and you allow yourself to ride that roller coaster, then you're going to have a heck of a day. And so I just hope people listen to this and they challenge themselves to step out of their comfort zone. And it's not going to be easy because guess what? You've been told the exact opposite forever. And you're going to be probably told the opposite for a while. We're going to keep, like you said, slow incremental change over time. But I'm telling you, Pat and I are on the other side of it. And Pat, you've had a journey to get here. But now that you're on the other side of it, I know speaking for myself, I am really happy that I'm here. And I'm also sad being over on this side of it because I know what it has to offer and how much better life is in the day to day because of it. And I see people and I know people that don't subscribe to that. Absolutely. And kind of on top of your challenge that you laid out for people earlier, you know, to kind of be more on top of their emotional side or allowed something to move them. My challenge to you, and it's not really necessarily a challenge to our listeners, but more of like a mindset shift is that if you've reached this other side, or even if you haven't, um, strive to always be an advocate for the next person. Um, don't turn someone away because of the emotions they're displaying may not necessarily be what you're wanting to hear or see at that moment, or because you're having like a really long, busy day. Always be available. I challenge you guys to be available for your, for your fellow man. And when I say man, I mean like humanity, not just men. But be available for your other men, you know, your, your fellow man to hear them out, listen to their emotions, understand, and try to be empathetic to how they're feeling and let them know that it's okay to feel the way that they're feeling. Don't try to negate their feelings by with negativity. So, awesome. Well, yeah, I think that's where we're going to guys. This is a really cool topic. I know this is one Josh and I have talked about quite a bit personally. So, I hope you guys get something out of it. We'll be posting that quote um, along with the video. Um, and if, you know, if you guys are struggling, feel free to reach out to us or feel free to reach out to someone that you could truly confide in. Um, if this is something you're struggling with and just go for it, you know, be vulnerable for a moment and go for it. So with that, yeah, it'll be awesome. Believe me, you won't regret it. So with that, we will check in with y'all next week and I'm excited to hear you guys' stories.